today I want to talk to you about it's not over. And now, no matter what you're dealing with today, you could have had this week a great report that astounds you. It's hard to believe that it was so good, it's not over. There's more to come. But on the other side, there are those of us in certain seasons that we all face where we face the darkness. We face trauma. Our soul is under attack. We can't shake the oppression. But I want you to know, it's not over. Now, I'm not talking about it's not over in a bad sense because what we're leaning into is the promises of God. So life is not over. Deliverance is at hand. So therefore, I can say to you, no matter what you're faced with, it's not over because Jesus is Lord. Amen. All right. So everything in the believer's life is working towards good. Even if it seems like in this moment, I'm in the fiery crucible of life and my faith is being tried. It's okay. You're coming out. It's only for a season. But I want to begin with this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 16. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you will anoint this message so that it touches the exact spot, the, the, the moment in life where transformation takes place. I pray that you will bring this message forth in such a way that it transforms all of our lives. We go from any form of darkness, but we go completely into the light. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you want more light? Now, in verse 14, it says this, Seeing then that we have a great high priest. Now, I want you to take note of the fact that in order to move forward into these promises, you have to have the ability to see. It's the process of the believer utilizing their imagination to see what the Word says. And the Word says that you have to see that you have a great high priest who stands for you. He's with you. That in Christ Jesus, that he has passed into the heavens, which means he first blazed a trail of light for every one of us so that we could get there as well. So he passed through the heavens so that we likewise could live from heaven. Let's say this again. He blazed through heaven to give us access to live from heaven. All right, you got that? We're living not from the, this earthly realm, even though we're in this earthly realm. We live by faith from Him who lives and abides in heaven. He provides heaven to us. And it tells you, if you ever wonder who He is, He's Jesus, the Son of God. Hallelujah. But He tells us that when you understand and you see that you have this great high priest who's already blazed the trail, who's given you ready access to the throne room of God, you have to hold fast to your profession. It's like Lorraine says, you have to be consistent in your confession of faith. But you can't be con consistent in faith if you don't see there's an operation working for you. It's very difficult to stay faithful to a system you can't see. But he says, you cannot allow your profession of faith to slip. Now, the profession of faith is different for all of us because we're all uniquely and wonderfully made. When you read through the scriptures, heaven will speak to you to meet your needs according to your calling. It's your fingerprint. Therefore, every one of us should know this. Your revelation and my revelation will differ at times, but it's all a part of one team because we all carry revelation. So I may give you 
um, insight to what happens with me, but that's only to encourage you to dig up your own journey, to travel your own path, because you have a fingerprint that you're supposed to leave on this generation. And he says it's about the confession, the profession that you carry. For we have, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. In other words, Jesus first for us went through every weakness and every testing we could ever face. He was tempted at all points. He went through scrutiny beyond measure, so to speak, you know, above scrutiny. I mean, he was, he was scrutinized as the Lamb of God, and he showed up perfect. He went through the crucible of testing, and he did it without sin. So in other words, he's the master of life. And the Bible says he's the master of life because he went through everything we could ever go through, and he did it without without any fear. He did it without any anxiety. He did it without any worry. He did it as God intended man to live. He's our master. Therefore, we're to live from him. See, he's the strength. I live from Christ Jesus who accomplished this life without sin. That's why verse 16 tells you this. You and I should come boldly, boldly, to the throne of grace where you may obtain mercy and find grace to help you no matter what you're faced with. I mean, he's good. That's why I can shout out, it's not over. You may be going through some difficult times. You may be in a position where you're faced with the war of your soul. You lay in bed and you can't get over the words that have been spoken to you, the image that have been developed on the inside of you, the fear, the worry, the anxiety, the sickness, the disease. Because you know that all of this stuff is about diseasing you, taking you from ease. When you've been commanded to enter into rest, but everything Satan does is to take you from it is to get you out of rest. Rachel and I recently have been, we've been a, a, around a neighborhood situation. And I told Ray, I said, none of us have the opportunity, nor should we allow ourselves to be, listen, diseased by this situation. I told her that. And I said, remember, it's a disease because it's trying to take us from peace. So you got to fight for it. You got to fight for rest. And the Bible says you have access to this throne where you can get it. So what we should do is we should walk right up to Jesus, the master of life, and get what he's ready to give you. You know, you know, every one of us needs to learn how to take hold of mercy. And every one of us should learn how to accept help, help from heaven. Well, you know, when, when we're raising our kids, uh, we raise our kids and now we're into our grandchildren. But Leah was always probably the, the, the leading force of, I do it by myself. Now, she's got children that are like that. I do it by myself. Well, you can't do life by yourself. You got to lose that mindset that you can do this without him. You can't do this without him and be successful. You can do life and it'd be broken and filled with trauma and turmoil. And you can have where everybody looks at your life and it looks splendor. But on the inside, you know that you're nothing. But Jesus will make you something. Amen. Now, I want to show you this little bit of a prophetic word that I gave you guys in the prophetic word. And here's the, the, the thing I want you to take note of. The weapons of 
oppression have already been overcome by the light of my word. Darkness has been conquered and your proclamation of faith fuels light's expansion and establishes its victory. All right, so your profession of faith is huge. Your ability to find the promise of God and to say it. You know, when Lorraine heard that word, that word did something for her. It was a fuel that brought light that now drives her to the victory. There was a struggle that Rachel and I were carrying recently, and, um, and it was just, it's just hard on the heart. You know, sometimes what I mean, you just bear the burdens. It's hard on the heart. And you just got to learn at some point that you need a word from God. And I woke up one morning, just maybe Saturday morning, and the word of the Lord came. And when he, the word of the Lord pierced the darkness, it set me free. I mean, I, wasn't, I didn't have to carry the hardness. I didn't have to carry the, the trauma. I didn't have to carry the pain. I didn't have to carry their heartache anymore because the word of the Lord is, I love them and will care for them. I was like, ha ha, free. Hallelujah. Because I told Brian, my friends, and a couple of my other friends that I haven't been resting well. I can't, I can't rest. I'm like, I'm, being, I'm carrying this struggle and it's difficult. And then when the word of the Lord came, I love them as much as I love you and I will care for them. Rest came. And I told Ray, I said, sometimes the rest doesn't come right away. You got to fight for it. So what we're trying to get across right here is that Jesus, the master blazer, he understands your humanity. He understands your testing and your trials. He understands everything about your life. And you need to know, Jesus has already conquered your struggles. Your struggles have already been conquered. All you have to do is find what he's telling you right now and enter it by faith. So we do have, I don't know if you really believe this, but the truth of the matter is you have access to the throne that love enthrones. Love is enthroned in heaven and if you are aware of mercy's kiss, and if you are aware that grace is available, you can be strengthened at any time that you may feel weak. Because in that strength comes transformation. You can be transformed. But I want to encourage you to do something. Live fully aware of his presence. He's here. Don't ever forget, you're not alone. You'll never be alone. You don't have to do this by yourself. So you don't have to fret that you're doing it all, but you may feel like it, but feelings are not truth. He says, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Amen. And he's here with us. So getting back to the story of Gideon in Judges chapter 7, verses 2, two through 7, if you do a reading, you'll discover all the things we've already discovered, that Gideon was a very timid man. He was quite fearful, I believe, because the Midianites during the time of harvest would come and steal all their harvest from them. In the beginning of the story, Gideon is in now a wine press hiding from the Midianites because he was doing harvest for his own family, but he had to do it in hiding, and God visited with him. Y'all remember that? 
And then the process was that Gideon now had to, he affirmed the word of the Lord, and then God says, tear down the altar of Baal that's in your dad's house. He went through all of that, and promotion kept coming. So now we're at this stage that you went through all of these regiments, and now you're faced with the final triumph. You're going to conquer the Midianites. But I want you to notice something. The journey is always leading you to conquer your biggest enemy. Your biggest enemy could be fear, anxiety, thoughts, words, things that have come from the past, or maybe just recently somebody told you something that it traumatizes you even today. It's an enemy. All these things take you to the place that you're now going to face the enemy. And what happened with Gideon was that he started off with 32,000 valiant warriors ready to go to battle. And God would now reduce it down to 300 so that the Lord may be glorified. Here's the story. You may think you need a thousand things to get right before God moves on your behalf. But all you need is to be at the right place at the right time with the right word. And it takes very little to conquer your enemies when you're walking in his word. You really do. You think that it takes a lot. I have to get all these things squared away. No, you don't. You just need one word from God. Get into that word. Find the rest and say what he says. Constantly just say what he says. I would encourage a lot of you, if you go back into your history and if you've ever done any journaling, all of your answers are beginning there. And they're journaling all the way through your history. And sooner or later, when you get to the present moment where you've read through everything to the present moment, there'll be a fresh word for you there. So here we are in Judges chapter 7, verses 2 through 7. The Lord said unto Gideon, You have too many men with you for me to hand Midian over to you, because Israel might brag and say, We did this ourselves. So announce to the troops, Whoever is scared or frightened should leave Mount Gilead and go back home. And 22,000 men went back home, and only 10,000 were left. Now, this is a, a picture that I want you to know that I believe Israel was filled with valiant, mighty men of warfare. But they were in bondage. They were in a struggle. And the struggle, I believe, affected them, and they lost their edge. I believe that they're in, throughout the whole church today, Every one of you are called by God to conquer any enemy that you may have to face. But if you're not careful, the warfare on the side of you is doing everything in its power to strip you of your identity so that you can't conquer the enemy that's before you. So what he's trying in my world tell you is there may be some things that you're going to have to begin to reduce down in order to where it just becomes you and him. Remember we talked about losing distractions? Might have to lose some distractions. And so the Bible says in verse 4, And the Lord said unto Gideon, There are still too many men. I mean, you can imagine Gideon said, Man, 32,000 was better than none, but now I'm down to 10,000. And the Lord says, You still have too many. So he said, Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you. 
And if, you, and, and if I tell you this one will go with you, then that one will go with you. If I say this one will not go with you, then he must not go with you. So Gideon took the men down to the water. So Gideon is following the word of the Lord. I want you to notice this. All Gideon is doing is obeying what he's being told. So he tells them to go down to the water. He goes, and the Lord said to him, At the water, separate those who lap water with their tongue like dogs and those who kneel down. And that's some, it's kind of strange, but... You're going to see in a moment what that means, but it's like they. Some took the everyday occurrence of drinking water very seriously, and others took it as a necessity, but they didn't lose their alertness to where they were and what was going on around them. Amen. So most of them went to the water like, I'm thirsty, and they took the bucket. And all they did, well, in that, and I know that's not what happened, but it's in the illustration, in that moment, there was no attention to anything going around them. They were just consumed in their need. But 300 of them drank like this with their eyes looking to the future, and they were aware of what was going on, and the Lord says, that's the remnant. Now, I want you to know every believer is qualified to be in the remnant. You were born again, washed by the blood. You've been sealed to be a part of the family. But it's how far do you want to go to sanctify yourself to be one of those 300 who are always alert to what God is calling you to do? Amen. Amen. He started that uh, while he was going up for his miracle. And I was like, you're going to get your miracle today. That's awesome. So the 300 lapped the water with their hands to their mouth, and the rest of the men knelt down to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, With the 300 men who lapped water, I will save you and, the, and hand Midian over to you, and all the other men should go home. So he looks up, he stands up, he says, All right, he pulls the 300 aside. Guys, you're relieved of your duty. Thank you. Turns around. And the Bible says that the Midianites, their camels were so numerous that the camels couldn't be counted. So that tells you how many people were out there. A large sum of people. And Gideon turns around and says, Hello, mighty men of valor. You ready to whip butt? (laughs) Because you and I will bring change. It's amazing. And so the lesson here is that the Lord calls us at times we have to purge ourselves. We have to purge ourselves of the numbers that are around us. Purge ourselves from the fears, the hurts, the pains. And you need to realize that a lot of times there are are struggles in our life. There is oppression that hits our life that actually breaks the spirit of warriors. And there's no strength for the battle anymore. But I want you to know if you just deal with the sin, the disappointment, the frustration... You can overcome, but you should never be a person who's lacking courage. Now remember, you say, well, what's the sin? The Bible calls fear sin, people. Fear is sin. So that doesn't mean that you're out, you know, doing dirty, nasty stuff. Fear is stripping you from the potential. And he's saying, so when I say fear, just know that if you're anxious over something or fearful over something, you need to deal with it. So when our souls have been contaminated or if our souls are sick, many people don't even know that they have a problem. 
much less know how to get well. Because you've been living this way, all of us have been living this way for such a long time that we just believe that this is who we are. So we live broke, busted, and disgusted because we never deal with our hurts and our pains. We go to bed angry, frustrated, traumatized, and we've been doing it for so long, we, we just feel that this is normal living and don't even know that I'm sick. And it happens a lot because in church, we come to church and we get saved and we give our lives to Christ and we're born again. And sometimes people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost so you can speak in tongues. A lot of cool stuff happens, but you never really deal with the pain. You never deal with the isolation, the rejection, the fear of being lonely. You never deal with uh, insecurities. How many of you know insecurities cause us all a lot of problems? Because we never want to deal with the problem because I'm afraid I'm going to offend somebody else and I might lose somebody. That's just insecurity. So you live with the problem because you're afraid of losing the person. And you're not losing the person as much as you're losing the problem. <laughs> All right. Sorry that I walked on your toes. But the truth of the matter is most of the time, most, most people live with sin and its consciousness. It's not that you're in sin, but you live with the consciousness of sin, a broken state, traumatized, in your thoughts, in your emotions, in your attitudes, in your willful choices. They're all affecting your daily living, and they keep you from your healing, but you can have healing today for your soul. I want you to know something today. It's not over. I want to show you the scripture in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 19. The Lord spoke this to me this morning, and it says this. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit, the Lord, and I want you to see the word Lord. The word Lord there with all caps is the governmental side of God. The Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Or in other words, the Lord will make a way for your escape. He always makes a way of escape. There's nothing you're dealing with that you're stuck in. And so I want you to realize this. It's time that every one of us seek Christ concerning whatever struggles we're dealing with. We need to know that our problems really are our fears. Our problems really are our insecurities. Our problems are really anchored down in my anxiety, my depression, my dysfunction. But you see the remnant, the remnant, the 300, were men and women who were unsettled. They were not settling to live in bondage. They were not satisfied being a slave to their circumstances. They were really liberators. So they were stirred more by the service of God and country than they were of just drinking water, a common need. So they approached every moment of their day fully alert to the presence of God and fully alert to what God was doing for them. They were not fully alert to their fears. They were no longer not fully alert. And most of us live fully alert to my fears, my anxieties, my worries, because they never go away. The lies never stop. But they can. When we seek Jesus. To be a liberator requires that you be... Liberated. And once you're liberated, you can deliver others. So what I love about this is that Gideon's army wasn't recruited for. Gideon's army was purged, reduced, that God may be glorified. 
And in our lives, there are many cases where we have to, we have to do some pruning. 24 has the potential of being a year of great shaking. It's prophetic. It's all over. John said it. I hear it. But I hear it not only by other people, but in myself. And I think most of you agree. We know there's potential for great upheaval. But the church should remain strong. The church should be fervent in prayer, mighty in the things of God. So in Psalms chapter 119, verse 160, the word says, Thy word is true from the beginning. In other words, his future in our present is real. And every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Or we can say, victory is true. You don't have to live broken. It doesn't matter what your mama told you, your daddy told you. It doesn't matter what the past served you to have to eat. What you have to deal with right now is there's a banquet table set up before you in the presence of the Lord that you can dine from every one of us every single day if we choose to. And the total sum of that dining is absolute truth. When God says something to you, it's everlasting. So when you drink of his word, you should drink alert. When you drink of his presence, you should drink alive. Not fearful. Not what if. But when he says it, it's so. In Psalm, excuse me, in um, Philippians 3. So I want you to take this note. That what love tells you. Take note of everything that love tells you because love is really extending his life to you. It's his love prolonging your life. Take note. Every time he speaks to you, it's love speaking to you. And love is his life. His life of love is prolonging your life. That's why you are to live alert. So Paul says this to the Philippians. He says, brethren... I count not myself to have achieved or apprehended. In other words, I'm still making my way through this life. But one thing, one thing, one thing I do, I forget. I forget. I forget those things which are behind me. And I reach forth. I go to the future unto those things which are before. And I press, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, I reach out for Jesus as he reaches out for me. You see, the remnant doesn't stay parked in their pain. The remnant presses beyond the pain. Folks, it's not over. I'm going to speak over the, I'm going to tell you I'm gonna, right now prophetically over this nation. It's not over. <laughs> it's not over. Ooh, there's a wind coming, brother. There's a wind coming. There's a revival rain coming. It's about to wake this place up. It's about to wake it up. And you're going to find out what America's all about. Because it's down in your soul. It's down in your very being. You are people who are born to be free, and freedom is coming. So Jesus now is the author of every new beginning. But we're the only ones who can decide whether or not I want to move into the new beginning. Want me to say that again? 
Jesus is the author of the beginnings. New beginnings belong to Jesus. But we are the only ones who can decide if I want to move into the new beginning. In 2 Corinthians 1.20 it says, For all the promises of God in Him are yea, and in Him, amen, unto the glory of God. But look at the last two words. But by us. <laughs> That's why Paul says, I forget all that stuff I've been through. Everything that I was, I ain't no more. But I'm pressing to the future. Why? That he might be glorified. Well, how is Jesus glorified? God glorified in the earth today by us. So listen, I want you to know, I know that it, for all of us, it is not easy to move forward into a new day. Because your mind and your emotions are always telling you, give up. This is fruitless. Give up. But we don't give up because we're part of the remnant. We've been called a part of the army of God. And so there are only two choices for you. And for me, you endure the pain of change or endure the pain of never changing. Because you're going to face pain. <laughs> you say, well, I don't like that word pain. Well, folks, listen, if you, if you want to lose your gut, you got to go to work. All right, that was not a very popular, I know. I was, I, maybe that was a better illustration. But you got to stop eating, you got to go to work, you got to do some squats and your butt hurts, your legs hurt, do some sit-ups, my abs hurt, I do a little push-up, everything hurts when I wake up in the morning. But the pain is because I'm waking up the youth in my body and I'm going to transform it. And it's telling me, I don't like what you're doing. And you say, tough. And if you don't do it, then you're going to suffer the pain of being old and sick. All right, so that's the best illustration that this Cajun boy can give you. In Romans 5, verse 17, it says this. If for by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more, much more, much, much more, they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life by one Christ Jesus. Man, if you think that it was bad when you were broke, busted, and disgusted, you haven't seen anything to the good side when you hook up with Jesus. This is why we need transformation. So here's where I'm going to close. I would like every one of you to begin to use your imagination. And I want you to start dreaming about the breath taking recovery that your life will make when you grab hold with both hands to his extravagant life gift. You have to start thinking this way. I have to start seeing my life transformed because I took hold of this extravagant life gift. And so we can overcome the image, the words of trauma and drama. Trauma and drama. Now, if there's a bunch of drama in your life, it is normally the reflection of the trauma in you. If you see people that have a lot of drama in life, don't get mad at them. They've been traumatized. If you have a bunch of drama, it's just because of trauma. It's like a speckled trout being caught and thrown in an ice chest. I want, I want the water. I want the water. 
So we have to see what God says. All right, so let's go back to this. You can overcome the image and the words of drama and trauma, but it comes by seeing what God says about the new you. You can think about yourself and your life the way Christ intends you to, because it's all for you. Remember, you can come boldly to the throne of grace and you can get it. I just want to encourage you, don't settle for less than what God has designed for you. So the final point is this. It's never too late for God to heal your life. It's never too late for your life to be restored. God wants to bring you back to your original design. And it's looking like Jesus. That's what we're supposed to look like. So I'm here to tell you before I close, because I am closing, it's not over. Everybody shout amen. Hallelujah.